0: It has been really hard. I put her, she jumped on a plane, and went to New York. and She said, when she first got there, she's like, I mean, it was just insane. Then all you're worried about is, started, is my patient breathing, do they have a blood pressure? That's all you can do when you have six patients.
1: This is Utah Battle Buzz, the official Utah National Guard podcast. I'm Sergeant Nathaniel Free, and in this episode, we'll be talking about a local hero in the fight against COVID 19, a member of our very own Utah National Guard family. On the morning of April 16th, Master Sergeant Dan Harris, a Utah National Guard recruiter, shared a photo of his wife, Eva, on social media. She was standing in the passenger drop off area of the Salt Lake International Airport, wearing a face mask, an Intermountain healthcare jacket, and jeans one hand on her luggage. She was smiling. The caption read, This is my hero. She is the most caring, selfless, genuine, and hardworking person I know. She could not sit on the sideline during this pandemic and not use her enormous nursing skills to help those in need. She volunteered to go right into our country's COVID-19 epicenter to lend a hand. Her patients are going to be extremely lucky to have her. Our neighborhood lined the streets this morning to send her off because... They all have experienced the awesomeness that is my wife. I love you, Eva Harris. Thank you for being such a great example to our kids. She is. (laughs) She's a firecracker. That's Master Sergeant Dan Harris. Last week, he dropped his wife off at the airport on her way to New York City. She's awesome. She's super motivated, super organized,
0: just great. But as far as her nursing goes, she's been a nurse. She's been a nurse for 13 years.
1: Eva worked as a floor nurse on McKay D. Hospital's medical oncology floor in Ogden for eight years before she became a charge nurse, essentially in charge of the oncology ward. Later, she was able to take a job with Intermountain Healthcare working from home to spend more time with her family. As the COVID-19 pandemic swept the globe, she felt compelled to do something. So then
0: she found out that um, IHC, which is the company that owns McKay D., she, she found out they were putting together a team to go to New Orleans. And they, I guess they had 400
1: people apply to go. So she's like, there's no way I'm going. But because of her experience and reputation, she was among the few who were selected to go. And so they, they
0: selected her. She got a, an email on Tuesday, Tuesday morning and said, be ready. Your flight leaves Thursday at, at 9 a.m. We got everything in order for her to go. They had an orientation class the day before they loaded them up with a bunch of PPE, you know, shields gowns, mask, all that stuff so she actually packed that with her and um, they put her, jumped on a plane and went to New York and she said when she first got there she's like, I mean it was just insane so they had four patients per room for the rooms that they had and then they had Shift rooms. She said it was just basically a framed room. that could have more places to put people, and converting all these other floors into ICUs because they had so many patients that needed mm-hmm. the ICU. So it was very overwhelming for her at first. I and mean, she was she, she was like, "I don't know, you know, if I'm if I'm doing any good here or what." Cause it was overwhelming, but it was it kind of. It turns out, you know, just the fact that they're there, that they could give those those nurses a break, even if she didn't provide any clinical help, which she is, but even if she didn't, just giving them a break
1: yeah. uh,
0: was super helpful.
1: What's it, what's it been like at home since she's been gone?
0: So, she's actually working three hours. So, we usually FaceTime in the morning when she gets off before she goes to sleep. So, you know, this morning, she got off gotcha. like 6 o'clock. sleep for most of the day and then when she wakes up we're able to talk to her so one person found out about it through I think my son told his friend and he told his mom and it spread like wildfire so not only did they line the streets when she left with signs and everything um I haven't had to cook a wheel since she's been gang. <laughs> mm-hmm. so every day at five thirty, 30 they some person who some of them I don't even know They'll text me like, hey, this is what you're having for dinner tonight. We'll bring you it over. So they'll come over and drop it off on the porch. The kids are probably grateful because they don't have to eat my cookie. So it's great. Just the, the support that she's getting. Like every every morning when they come to the hospital, there's fire trucks and there's firefighters and stuff lined up to welcome them. Wow. To so welcome into the hospital. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been messaging me, texting me like, Hey, what what hotel is your wife in? I'm gonna send her some stuff. So people are sending her cookies, treats, food, whatever. My recruiting family, you know, I've been getting texts from people all throughout the state, hey man, you know, if you need anything, we'll hop in the car and be there in five minutes, so just or you know, however long it takes to get there. But
1: everybody's been super supportive and said if you need anything I'll be there and I know they need it so When Eva woke up later that afternoon, I was able to speak briefly with her over the phone about her experience in New York City. This is what she had to say. I
0: had less than two days' notice before I knew I was being sent here. But I found out on Tuesday around noon, and I left Thursday morning at 9 (laughs) o'clock. So all of that, I mean, I didn't have a lot of time to process any of the feelings before I even left, and getting out here, and I'm so excited and ready to go, and then jumping in and realizing that things are... So
1: bad and so crazy. So, what? Um, at what point did you realize that this is something that you wanted to do? Obviously, the pandemic, right? It was happening. Was there a certain moment where you were like, "That's that's what I need to do"? Do you felt that when you where you felt that drive?
0: You know, I just kept seeing these nurses on um, the news that just I mean, they're so emotional, and you could just see in their eyes they're just tired and they're they're just so drained, and you could really just see them like pleading for help and I just felt very um called to come um, to figure out a way to help them I didn't I didn't know how that was going to be and this opportunity came and I I jumped on it so I had actually been looking into ways that I could come out here to help because I just felt so bad for these nurses that they were having to take such heavy patient loads and they, it's hard. Nursing is a, it's a hard job mentally and physically. It's, um, you're on your feet for really long hours and your body, you know, you have to move and turn and run around and it's, it's a hard job. And I just, I know what it's like to be busy and I couldn't imagine the amount
1: of busy they were. So how's it? How has it been out there since you've been since you've been there? Could you give me kind of a, an idea of a, of the day to day for a nurse from Utah um, helping these hospitals? Yeah, um, it has been really hard. Um, the
0: the hospitals are it's like a constant, it's a controlled chaos. kind of I, well, I don't even know that it's controlled, but it's. Um, it's, there's always this feeling of tension in the air, like, like stakes are so high. And, um, you can just feel it. Everybody's on edge because every, these patients are so sick. I mean, it's, and so unstable. <clears throat> and you just, I think the nurses that have been here have been, have seen so much death that, they're—I don't want to say they're becoming numb to it, but they're just like, "What else can we do?" You know, and mm-hmm. they are compassionate people, and they—they they have a lot of feelings, and um, I think that they're starting to wall themselves off from that. And it's hard for me who hasn't been here. You know, I—I I don't have those feelings yet because I haven't had you know ten or twenty of my patients die, and. Um, so it's hard for me to see that part, but, um, they're, they're just trying their best. They're tired. So much of their staff also have been affected. So that's the other part of it. Like not only are they being bombarded by patients, but then more than half of their hospital has also been out sick with it. So they're Mm -hmm. short-staffed because they have way more patients than normal and they have, their nurses are gone because they're homesick sick
1: with COVID themselves. So you're essentially but stepping into the shoes of other nurses who have fallen ill. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was on a unit um, the second night I was here, and
0: she said 70% of their staff had COVID. And, and I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if this means much to you, but she, so this girl, had, she was the charge nurse that night she's been a nurse for less than a year and she was in charge of an entire four of patients because she was the most senior one available which is which is crazy. I mean, and she was a great nurse but, you know, in order to be in charge of something you have to have, you know, years of experience and it's, but that's what they had to give was this
1: girl who has been a nurse for less than a year, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of like what we went through in, like, World War II with the military, where so many senior officers and senior enlisted leaders died on the front lines. All of a sudden, specialists were, and privates were getting promoted and expected to fill that role, and they were so green. You know, they had never had been in a leadership position before, and that's where a lot of, like, leaders were born. It sounds like a war zone. That's, that's, what, I'm, that's what it sounds like to me. I don't know if that's it, what it, it feels it really, like. but It
0: really is. And I, a lot of people describe it that way, Um, and it really is. You're right because, you know, these nurses are going out. Somebody's got to fill in those shoes, and and then you have all these travelers that are coming in, and I think that's the hardest part. I, right? So I've been permanently assigned now to an ICU as a, a, they call it a helper nurse or a task nurse, and my job is to just run around and support the nurses that have. Like have their own patient load. Um, I do anything that they need me to. I give their meds. I help change their pumps. I um, help reposition the patients and do their oral cares. And like I guess, seriously am just I. I ran for twelve hours straight last night, which is great, and I'm so glad I could be there to help. But the problem is that they have. Half of the staff is their own staff, and then the other half are these travel nurses that have never been in a hospital before, and are just trying to figure everything out. So not only are these nurses having to take care of their patients, but they're basically having to train two other nurses taking care of patients. And it's—I mean—that's a lot of in an ICU. That's a lot of work. You know, well, anywhere that's a lot of work. But um, but it's better than them having four patients of their own in an ICU. At one point they were taking like up to six patients on their own in an ICU, which is insane. I mean normally you take one or two patients in an ICU. Wow. So they were having up to three times as many patients as they normally do, which is it's scary. That's it's so scary and they just felt hard to do the very fast, and, so, and things at that point go to the wayside, you know, like that the, the there are some things that are, then all you're worried about is, are, is my patient breathing? Do they have a blood pressure? That's all you can do when you have six patients. You can't worry about turning the patient to bed to make sure they don't get pressure ulcers. You can't make sure that they're getting good oral care. A lot of their, you know, other medications didn't get given because
1: they just needed to make sure they were breathing and had a heartbeat, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I've been wondering, like, you know what would the outcomes have been if they could have? if These patients could have gotten better nursing care, but it's not because the nurses weren't trying; they just only they had such limited resources. What is that going to be like for you coming home after this?
0: <sighs> We're not really sure yet. Um, my daughter has asthma, and so I come home on May second. I don't know what today is. I think it's Thursday, so I have. I have six more shifts in the hospital. Right now they're saying that I don't have to quarantine unless I have symptoms, but I don't know that we're willing to really risk that. Um, So I might be staying at my, like, well, I think my family might go to my mom and dad's house to stay for a week until I can make sure that I don't have symptoms. But it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster out here just the initial shock and like you said it's like a war zone and you're being thrown into this and it's just like Wah! you're feeling so overwhelmed and now it's kind of like okay I'm adjusting I'm adjusting and then leaving it's, it's going to be hard because you know like I know I'm helping and they're so grateful I mean I've never had people be more grateful for me in my whole life of thank you so much thank you so much for coming thank you so much and they're just of of the extra hands to be able to provide good care to their patients and know that they're doing right by them with extra help and leaving that will be it will be hard I mean I miss my family so much but I you know nursing is a really big part of who I am and it will be hard for me to step away from that for the time being you know
1: yeah Absolutely. Do you feel like this experience has better prepared you to help? Um, a lot of people think that Utah could still be facing something like this. Do you do you feel like this opportunity or has helped prepare you? And do you see yourself helping in Utah in a similar capacity? Absolutely. I think that that was their. Um, I mean, with Intermountain Center, here, I think that was part of their purpose was for us to get some frontline experience to bring back home, and this work, this work, don't do this, um, I think that, that they wanted that, and, and they wanted to help, I think that they saw a healthcare system in need, and they, they wanted, you know, Intermountain's a great, it's a great company to work for, and okay? they're, they do really good things in the community, and, um, I think this is just one of those things, they wanted to help, and they saw that they could, so, um, and it would also benefit them by having firsthand experience. And you know, there's there's doctors, respiratory therapists, nurses out here with us, and so we get it from a few different angles. And we have that experience now we can bring home. And I would most definitely help if I had the opportunity to at home for sure. Awesome, that is so cool. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? <laughs> Good. That's it. Good. Well, we're very appreciative of you. We're happy to have you in our Utah Guard family, and we're so grateful for everything that you're doing to represent Utah, to represent your family, um, and and we hope that you stay safe and uh, and and that you come home to be able to see your family quickly.
0: Thank you. No.
1: Thank you for tuning in utah battle buzz is a utah national guard public affairs production to catch more episodes tune in on our website at ut.ng.mil forward slash we are always there always ready and during this pandemic we are in this together if you have any questions or if you're interested in joining the guard visit our website that is ut.ng.mil